Welcome to episode three of Blue Teeth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luque, here with my brother, Michael. And today we got Katie Burnett on, and uh, she works as the director of marketing for LessonLee.com. And Katie's just such a dear friend of a podcast through a connection that we made with our second episode, Jen Spencer. Um, I'm just super excited about it. And, uh, and Mike, it, it's good to see you. I mean, the Mariners are winning baseball games. So, I mean, it's just a good day for uh, the lives. I thought they were losing. Yeah. No, they beat the Orioles the other day. I, I was looking at it. That's I mean, a I'm, loss, I'm not, though. Yeah. They'll yeah. lose eventually, so. No, that's fine. I, I guess we could talk about a little golf. What well, wasn't the Valspar open the other day? Valespero? Valespero open? Some some open. When's, when's U.S. open? When's all that stuff? I don't, I don't know. But I do know this, that Katie Burnett is going to be an awesome guest on our show. Um, just getting to know her and via LinkedIn, she just has so much, uh, she has such an accelerated career, which is something that, um, Michael and I are looking to do early on as well. And, and hopefully listeners of this podcast. So she has so much uh, experience and, and, um, and definitely some career advice for us, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. Yeah. Also, I wanted to go out there and apologize on Matt and I's behalf for not having anything the last last week uh it was both matt and i's finals week within school and um ended up graduating college so just a crazy time right now but we're excited to kick it back off and i think katie will be a great guest for it so um, also uh just real quickly um i wanted to shout out one of my good friends uh gaily dutton her podcast uh light up your life is now on apple and uh, spotify she also started a podcast through quarantine Gailey is just her, her entire goal is to um, talk about these different 20 minute pieces about, you know, how to improve your life through health, through your lifestyle, through your mentality. Um, it's super interesting stuff and, and getting to reconnect with Gailey the other week was super cool. So thought I'd shout her out on our pod- podcast and, uh, and listeners feel free to also go check it out. Awesome. Well, So uh, without further ado, we're going to introduce our third guest, Katie Burnett. All right, Katie, thank you so much for being here. Um, We'll just kind of firstly, you know, get the get the first thing started by just saying thank you for being here. Um, And then after looking at your LinkedIn, it was just pretty clear that you're moving at such a such a great pace in your career, which is something that we really aspire to do in our in our careers. And also, I'm, I'm hoping that listeners of this podcast also will. So, yeah, just thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Awesome. So I'm going to start it off. We've kind of been sticking to this question recently for the first two. Um, Just something light, something funny. Uh, What would be like the funniest experience that happened if you remember within your first career job that you've had? Hmm. I, you know, actually... (laughs) This isn't really funny, um, but the craziest thing that happened in my first job is that um, right out of college, so I had an internship at Exact Target, and then I went into their rotational program after I graduated from college. And five weeks before our, our biggest conference of the year, um, our director was let go of the conference. And I was like freshly out of college. Um, and all of a sudden, like all of the weight of this event, a lot of the things fell on my shoulders and I had to just like figure it all out. And it was 
one of the hardest, craziest things I've ever done, but it totally catapulted my career. Um, yeah, that, that's where I got crazy. a ton of experience, but it was one of those moments where I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that this just happened. So what would, what would you say you did to prepare you, prepare yourself for that situation? Um, well, I don't think I was really that, totally that prepared I, yeah, because yeah. I had an internship with them before. Um, I knew what I was doing and I had been in the role for probably a couple months at that point. Um, but I just had to like dig in and put in a bunch of extra hours and really just like try a lot of things. There were, there were tears and there yeah. were breaking points. Um, but we made it work and we, the event went off without a hitch and, um, it was a great learning experience, but I like, it was like drinking from a fire hose times a thousand basically at that point for those five weeks. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely, that's getting thrown into the pool right away out of college. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, but it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to be honest. Cool. So yeah. uh, for listeners of this podcast that don't know, um, it, you said you mentioned that you played tennis at, uh, how do you say this, Valparaiso? Valparaiso, yeah. Valparaiso yeah. Uh, University. And um, just kind of describe, I think, kind of college life as an athlete and also how that maybe helped you in your, in your professional career as well. Because obviously, I mean, it's an individual sport, but you are competing with all these different people and meeting all these different people. So kind of describe that, um, just that aspect of your life being an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, being a college athlete specifically, you have to really be good at time management and prioritizing things. Um, and really like understanding when you need to spend time working out and on the court and taking care of yourself and also spend time on your study then also have time to enjoy yourself in college because uh, college is only four years and then you have to go to the real world. Um, but I think that a lot of things that I learned are one, working with a lot of different personalities. I, um, had great coaches. I had not so great coaches. I had great teammates, not so great teammates. And you run into that in the business world too, where you have great managers, not so great managers. You like some of the people you work with. You don't like some of the people you work with. Um, and I think it just really prepared me for, um, working in a world with a lot of different people. And, um, we, I was, I had a, a pretty successful high school career and then Valpo was a, a division one college um, because of their basketball program, but their tennis program was not a division one level program. So it was a big shift from being on a, a winning team to a losing team. So I think that that also was a big learning experience of like trying to find the good in a total shift of like not performing well compared to what mm -hmm. I had been used to in the past. Um, but I think it was a great preparation for, mm. for my career too. Mm. Yeah. And then do you still play tennis a lot? I actually don't play tennis. So my husband is a tennis coach locally. Okay. Um, so we, we try to hit every once in a while, but my, my experience in college wasn't great. And so I had a really hard time competing afterwards for a while, but once my kids get a little bit older, I'm hoping I can get back into it and make it a more regular thing. I, I totally understand that. I So I grew up playing baseball my whole life and uh, very, very similar situation. And I ended up not going to college for it because I, yeah. I got like D2, D3 offers. I blew out my shoulder as well. Um, um, but it, 
it's crazy how that that experience of the coaching does teach you so much and mm-hmm. it's uh even with other teammates as well i totally understand it's it's totally a parallel within the two industries yeah yeah and, and, and you don't realize it till you get get into your career oh yeah too. and like what all the impact it has i i see i look at my coaches now or like the coaches i had and like they were coaching and all this stuff and i look at myself now i'm like i'm so happy with the choice that i made of yeah. uh pursuing a career rather than a hobby essentially yeah and yeah yeah no it's it, it's tough i i got burned out too i'll tell you that <laughs> it's, yeah it's yeah the draining. burnout is real <laughs> oh yeah i'm starting to get the itch back a little bit i want to maybe coach again one of these days yeah. so but uh yeah we'll see so yeah. mo- moving forward a little bit um you it you ended up graduating from Val- valpo yeah, you can call it valpo, valpo for sure okay a lot easier um, <laughs> yeah what what was kind of like the next steps? I know you said that you interned. Um, like what, what were the next next steps after graduation? Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to have an internship at Exact Target the summer before my senior year, um, and at the end of that internship, I was offered a job, a full time job. Um, so I got really lucky in that I didn't have to to really look for a job through my whole senior year, and I could enjoy it. And then um, I think in June. I just went ahead and started at Exact Target, and the they had a really cool program when I was there. It was a rotational program, so um, I spent three months in event marketing, three months in global marketing, and three months in sales ops, sales operations. Um, and I really wanted to be in event marketing. I knew that that's where I wanted to be, but it was really valuable to get the experiences from the other two rotations because it laid a foundation for the rest of my career. Like from a global marketing perspective, I was able to understand working with other cultures. And when we were acquired by Salesforce, um, I had to work with a global employee base at that point. And then the sales operations um, rotation was specifically um, working in Salesforce dashboards and reports. So it was like super monotonous, Uh reporting work that felt like so boring at the time, but every software company uses Salesforce. So I was able to develop, to develop tools, to build my own reports and, and dashboards um, and be able to understand data at an early time in my career. So like those three months felt like the longest three months of my life, Mm -hmm. but they might've been the most valuable three months of my career to lay that foundation. So so within that, that program, the that was the first nine months of your program correct it was yeah. three, mo- three months in each did yep. after those nine months did they make you like select a an area of, of like that you want to go into was it up to you or were you kind of like pushed into one that you wanted to go into um how did that process go yeah um so we had to kind of say what we were interested in, but we could only get a full-time role in that position if they had something available. So in the event marketing department, they were hiring, but they wanted someone with more experience. So throughout my whole rotation, after I got through event marketing, I met with the hiring manager every month in a mentor type of situation to say like, hey, I'm really interested in this. What are the things that I can be doing to prepare myself for this role? And I was just very persistent in meeting with her, meeting with her boss and just connecting and and making those um, connections. And by the time we got to the end of the 
end of the rotation, they decided to alter the job description and hire me instead of somebody that was more senior, um, which was really, really awesome. And again, another huge step in my career. Yeah. It shows what yeah. being proactive does right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Productivity, I think, is so important. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I guess my next question is kind of a good follow-up because I'm actually applying for some internships for the summer of 22. Yeah. And I'm seeing the same type of thing, right? Like sales force, um, rotational sales, stuff like that. Yeah. So can you kind of just describe that for me and also just maybe listeners of the, of the podcast uh, to understanding what is, okay, ro- rotational sales and then how does that even link to, say, like an MBA program? Because that's most of the most of the rotational sales that I've seen is, okay, you're going to do this over a year long process. I mean, what is, what are all those variants of that? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure. Like from a sales perspective, it could be that you're looking at doing, um, a lot of people that start in sales start in an SDR or a BDR position, which is sales development or business development representative. So it's a lot of cold calling, cold emailing to set up deals that are then passed off to a salesperson who has a little bit more experience. Um, so I'm not sure what like the sales specific rotational programs look like, but I'm sure that it's going to be giving you a breadth of all the different positions within sales and what to understand from a sales perspective. Um, as long as they offer you a job at the end of it, I think that it is so valuable. Like it might feel like you're stalling your career by doing nine months of trying new things, but Mm -hmm. it really like lays a good foundation and gives you a good idea of where you want to go and what you want to do. And I think, I think that your career is just a lifelong, it's, it's a lifelong learning journey. Like you're always going to be learning no matter what role you're in. So the more you can learn, the more you can ask questions, the more you can be curious, um, that will help you for your whole career. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay. perfect. Um, let's see here. Um, so going into the, the swag. Yeah. Um, like, this you was, you this was yeah. something you want to you want to take this question matt uh, yeah, you're yeah. So confusing this was me on this one yeah this bit. is something i uh i was reading about um just kind of your work and also uh listening to the podcast that you had shown us that you had been also featured on yeah and that was that was kind of a recurring theme was like you really wanted to talk about swag so i just wanted to <laughs> like throw it in here in our podcast because i'm i'm such a fan of of branding and also um I had a, Michael and I both worked for a, a t-shirt company called South by Sea, which was okay. a, a, a Greek life um, a t-shirt company. Okay. So just in your mind, so what, what is swag and, and can you just kind of describe your passion for that? Yeah. So swag is basically anything branded that you can send somebody that um, helps them experience your brand. So you've seen swag from anywhere from, t-shirts, pens, notebooks, like the little pop sockets, like anything that you can put a brand on, you can call swag. Um, it started, it, I kind of like was born into it. My dad owns a promotional products company. So I've been around swag my entire life. And it was one of those thing, weird things that have followed me in my career um, where I'm like, I really don't want to do swag anymore, but because I have this connection, I keep doing it. Um, but I think as a marketer, it's really important for me 
as we're doing swag to differentiate ourselves. So I don't want to do a notebook. I don't want to do a pen. What are the, what are the things that are memorable that people will want to come back for um, that showcase our brand? So at Lessonly, our brand is bright, approachable, um, dynamic. And so when we send out swag, we send out things that people will use, things that people um, we think will be fun. So we're doing a, a virtual conference in a couple of weeks and our swag pack has um, some really fun yellow blue like blocker glasses and still be looking at a screen all day. Um, we have some yellow fanny packs, which um, I think a lot of people will enjoy that those are in mm -hmm. right now. I feel really old saying that. Um, we've got some snacks. Like instead of just sending like, here's a notebook and a coffee mug to add to your your collection of 8,000 coffee mugs. Yeah. And we're trying to think of things that are different and memorable um, and can just enhance their experience with an event or something that we're doing. It's funny you say that because I think one of the things that we've been hearing constantly throughout the podcast as well is do the exact same branding yourself, Right. Like yeah. be memorable, be, um, be outstanding, right? Um, look, try and be something else than just the coffee mug that just gets thrown into the yeah. drink. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what, absolutely. what would you say is like your personal swag? Ooh, good question. Huh? Um, I, I just love things that are fun and different. So, um, for per I don't know what my personal swag would be. I like snacks. So my personal swag <laughs> is like really good snacks that yeah. represent yeah. Indianapolis or come from Indianapolis. I love highlighting where I'm from. Um, uh, yeah. And so I, I think like experiencing, I'm always for like, I'm like, let's throw some cookies or some popcorn <laughs> in there. Um, that's, that's kind of where my mind goes. But I think, um, one thing that I love at Lessonly is we've done some really creative stuff. Like we've, we have a, an, um, a llama as our mascot and we created Lego llama kits where we put, like we decided what the Legos were going to be. And then we did an assembly line to put like 64 Legos in a bag with instructions and sent those out to people. Oh, like, wow. How, and, it, and the messaging is build a great training program with Lessonly and you're building a llama too. Or um, since you like baseball, we did one to salespeople and, and it's called the closer baseball closer. And we have a baseball that we pass around the sales team when somebody closes a deal. So we branded a baseball and put it in a like memory box and sent it to all of our prospects and said, send that like use this as something that you can share with your sales team when they close a deal. So it's coming up with things like sharing our, our culture yeah. with other people, which is really fun. That's awesome. That's really creative. Yeah. Um, so just kind of as a fun question here, um, going to back, back to your college athlete days, um, what was your, I, I'm, I haven't, I've never heard of Valpo before. Um, yeah. first off, where is that located? It's in Northwest Indiana, about an hour and a half Southeast of Chicago. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I, my brother and I, we love college sports. Uh, okay. I, I ended up going to, Alabama for a semester. Um, okay, it was a little, that was a little crazy, a little too yeah. much for me. The South <laughs> yeah. is a whole new ball game. Um, I so I, I transferred back to NAU, and then my brother followed back. Both my parents also went to the University of Washington, so okay. Washington, Washington State, big big stuff. So, 
what is like what what was your rival let's get into the rival like what was the team that you played in tennis and you were like we gotta win we just yeah. or like beat. maybe even a person as well like i was thinking oh like, yeah an individual yeah. mind um, yeah, so I think I mentioned earlier that we were not super competitive in our conference because we um, we were a Division One program that had one scholarship for the entire women's tennis team of six people on varsity. So wow. imagine like trying to compete to get talent with like a sixth of a sponsorship or um, yeah. of a scholarship as opposed to like. Like UIC was in there, Butler was in there. They've got three, four full rides that they can give out. Um, but for me, there were a handful of of people that I would play on a regular basis. Like there was a girl from Wisconsin Green Bay that I remember playing multiple times. There was a girl from Wayne State in Chicago that I remember playing a couple of times that every time I played them, I just like wanted to win. Those are the ones that I wanted to win so badly. Um I don't think I ever did. I had a really terrible record and a really <laughs> terrible. Um, I had some major psychological issues uh, <laughs> with burnout and everything in college. Um, but yes, I did have those <laughs> while I was there. It, yeah, I. It's one of the questions I like to ask any of uh, just college athletes that we know because we know a swimmer actually at the University of Louisville, and he told us that the Tennessee swimming team dumped like yellow Gatorade into their pool. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, at first I always kind of thought like, Oh, rivalries are kind of just a football thing. But I was like, yeah, now that I know that it's like, it's so funny to hear that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We didn't, um, we didn't have any major rivalries. I, here's a funny story. The one, the one time that I got super heated, I remember this girl kept like making bad calls and I went up to the net and I, yelled at her like are you sure you need and I told her that she needed glasses <laughs> like really loud <laughs> that was like the one that was the one time that I ever got heated or or crazy about a rivalry but um yeah it wasn't as intense as throwing Gatorade in the pool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I heard that story I was like holy cow Matt, Matt and I were he said that like yeah they just wanted to beat them and do it like honorably and Matt and I were like, no, dude, I would go get the red Gatorade and dump it in there. Oh, pool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that. Oh, yeah. yeah. My husband is was a like- tennis coach, and they have a huge, they're like number one or number two in this state regularly, and their rival is locally. And I could probably tell some stories, but they're not really that appropriate. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe <laughs> off the air. Say that for another time. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, we'll just kind of um, go to Lesson Lee because I know you're excited to talk about Lesson Lee. And yeah. I just want to see um, your first position you held there was event marketing manager. manager. Yep. Um, so kind of describe your role and then also how you moved up the chain there. Yeah, so I was um, the 40, like 48th employee at Lesson Lee. So we were pretty small when I started. So when I came in as event marketing manager, I was basically doing what I was doing at Exact Target and Salesforce, but at a, like more, I had more responsibilities at Lessonly. So when you get into a bigger company like Salesforce, you are kind of siloed in it and doing one or two very specific things. So if you go to a startup company like Lessonly, where you're one of 50 people for the whole company, 
you have the opportunity to do more than just, I'm just going to do more than trade shows, or I'm going to do more than swag. I was able to do trade shows and swag and think about how we um, interact with our customers and what our emails look like. So um, when I got there, I just decided to like try to insert myself in as many projects as I could to really bring the marketing and our brand to life. So just always looking for opportunity as to where I could add value or we could enhance the experience for our customers and prospects um, was really important to me. So um, continuing to keep that like top of mind as I was working through my time at Lessonly. And then um, we had some movement, we had some people leave and I was able to get a promotion to manage a, a field marketing manager into a director of marketing role a couple of years ago. Um, and I think it was just like the persistence and, and showing that I could own projects and was creative uh, that really helped get me there. And then I've, we've just always had really great leadership at Lessonly who really focused on vulnerability, um, asking clarifying questions, having difficult conversations. And by having that as a foundation, it's, it helps me grow like a lot professionally and personally to be in a position to feel like I could manage within two years of being there. And now, um, as of a couple months ago, I'm leading two teams. Each of them have, um, four employees on each of them. Um, and it's, uh it's yeah. a blast. I love it. That's awesome. So yeah. one, one thing that I hear a lot of within the startup is the ability to, um, to expand your knowledge, really, uh, expand your role essentially, because yeah. you're, you're able to do so much more. Like you just said, you're, there's 50 of you. So you're, instead of doing just swag, you're doing the shows and, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, but one one caveat I've always heard is that like it also hurt it, like you have this experience, but it's um, your your title doesn't like necessarily match that what you're what exactly yeah. you're doing. So like it's kind of hard to represent those things that you've done because you do have the experience. Like how would you say though that has helped you? Um, like how, how can you explain that to other like? maybe companies say you're going to another role, um, and, and doing that? Yeah, I think, um, it's a good question. I mean, on your resume, I think you can, you can list out all the different things that you've done. Mm -hmm. I think it's also really important to have a strong cover letter that just explains like, yeah, my role was event marketing manager, but I also did these seven things. And I really feel like my strengths are in project management, which is why I feel like I'm confident for this next role. Um, and I think that something that I've learned in hiring too, is a lot of times they don't, people don't hire for the best resume. They're hiring for the right fit and the right person. And there have been many times where we have hired somebody who on paper isn't the most qualified out of the bunch, but after talking to them and for them being able to articulate what they do and for us to get a good feel, um, of their culture and their, the culture fit at Lessonly or mm -hmm. wherever they're they're interviewing for, we end up going with them um, over somebody who on paper looks way more qualified. Okay. I think um, one of my biggest pieces of advice for people looking for jobs, whether they're early in their career or later, is using your networks. Like yeah. that's the other piece. You've got to use 
I don't want to say use, I hate like using people that sounds bad. And I am always afraid to ask for help because I don't want to inconvenience people. Mm -hmm. But if you keep your connections going and you have coffee chats with people and um, people that will vouch for you, those are the people that are going to say, Hey, Katie is really good at X, Y, Z. In addition to event marketing, you should consider her for this role. Um, And really working with the people having two or three trusted advisors that are um, a little bit further in their career than you that can, can vouch for you and speak on your behalf and recommend you for certain positions too is really important. Okay. Uh, And then another question that I have off of that is, would you say that like within startup companies, they're, they're, like you said, they're hiring more for the fit. Would you say that's a general rule of thumb or not general rule of thumb, but like a, a, some a characteristic that may is more frequent rather than the large companies that are hiring to fill the role. Do you know? Do you know? Understand? Yeah, what yeah. I know what you're trying to say. Um, I think so. I, it really depends on the company culture. Like if you're going to something that's more buttoned up, like a financial services industry or insurance or something, they're going to be looking for more of the what's on paper. Mm-hmm. But when you're going to like a software startup culture is usually like one of the biggest things that most software startups tout about. And that's like their thing. Um, So a lot of times they're looking to hire the right person as opposed to the right, like exact fit for that role. Uh, It's it's just interesting. I, I, uh, so I currently work for, I just graduated uh, a week ago, actually. Sorry for the, thank you. Sorry for the (laughs) listeners. There was no podcast. It was a little crazy weekend, but, (laughs) um, but, I work for a company called Signature Consultants, and um, we we hire consultants and do uh, for IT work. And so, okay. like we, we uh, I'm a recruiter, so I'm going through the interview process with these candidates and everything. And um, it's very much like I've noticed within the big companies, like they just want what if as long as you have the 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 credentials, like that's yeah. the fit. They want the person with the best credentials, and then that's it. They don't care about the culture. They don't care about any of that. And then we have some smaller clients that are like, they'll, I mean, they'll do maybe the bigger clients will do three, four interviews. We have some smaller clients that are doing eight, nine, 10 interviews. And they're really making sure like this is the right fit. Um, And it's just been a really interesting learning process. And we're the staffing company that I work for now, um, they are very much uh the same way as the culture is so important even though they are and that's why i love it they're they're they are a large company um but i went through that process and i i I would say for the like for the younger generation is to experience that process because there's there's a treatment like you're treated completely differently than you are when you're not when you're not going through that process it's yeah. completely different. It's it's wild. It really is. And one thing that I would also say is that for that reason, don't be deterred by a job description if you don't meet all of the requirements. Yeah. I know um, there are studies that show that women will not apply for a job unless they meet 90 to 100% of the requirements where men are more likely to, if they only meet 50, 60%, still apply for the job. Um, I think that applies for just young people in general too, feeling like they don't have the experience necessary. Um, it doesn't hurt to apply as long as you can 
show that you have relevant experience, even if maybe you don't have as much experience or the direct experience that they're asking for in the job requirements. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you never, you never know what can happen. And it takes what, 30 extra minutes to apply for that job. And the worst that can happen is they say no. The even worse thing is not applying and not having the opportunity to even go for it. If that's something that you really are passionate about. Yeah, you just got to get through the door. That's for sure. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Awesome. So well, I'm not sure if you listened to the first episode that we had uh, with Len. Um, if you didn't, no worries. But he said and one thing that he f- kind of focused on is working the job that you want. Um, mm-hmm. And um, um, I was just kind of curious, like, how have you uh, accomplished that, um, that f- or fulfilled that within your, your current roles? Yeah, I love that philosophy. Um, I think for me, it's been looking for opportunity, always looking for opportunity to do something else. What's the, what's the additional thing I can add to my role? Or when I was ready to start looking into management, my manager and I, um, we spent time in our one-on-ones every week and we came up with a leadership topic and we would each come with an article and we would discuss that leadership topic to prepare myself for leadership. So for an entire year leading up to when I got the promotion to lead somebody, I was already having conversations with my manager of like, how can I develop as a leader? Um, I think additionally, like mentoring people, like I've, I never shy away from having coffee conversations with people either um, ahead of me in their career or behind me in their career. Um, just because I feel like it's so important to, to always make those connections and help people whenever I can. Um, but I think in the role, it's just so important to, to see like, what are the things that you do want to do and find the projects that might have a little piece of what that, what that is. So that way you're slowly gaining that experience and adding more pieces to your puzzle to show that you're ready for that next step. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, I'll just, uh, I'll ask you another question here about Lessonly. Um, I'm curious just about, um, your day-to-day work experience as a, as now a director of marketing, it looks like you started this position about four months ago. So, so how, what were kind of the, the transition points into this role? And then also um, what does just your day look like as a director of marketing and, and how are you um, kind of learning just day-to-day? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a lot different than when I was like an event marketing manager an individual contributor um, when you become, when you're in a director level, most of your day is uh, focused on people as opposed to tasks. And that was a really big mind shift for me because I'm a, a task person. I love to see that I've checked all the things off the to-do list, but it turned, your job turns into the people are your to-do list. So like making sure that your direct reports are happy and have what they need. And, um, I'm always like keeping in consideration who's performing well and, how can I um, encourage them with a raise or a bonus or when we're looking for promotions? Um, a lot of my role now is forward looking. So in a director role, you're looking usually six, 12 months in advance for your marketing team. So looking at who should we be hiring? What role should we be hiring for in the next six to 12 months? Um, what projects will we be working on? Um, something that I specifically work on a lot is building project plans and getting the whole team together to say, okay, um, the writers, you're going to be writing the, these five things on these days. And then designers are going to be designing these things. 
Um, so my day is very different every single day. Um, a lot of meetings, a lot, a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations about how we can improve the business, how we can improve what we're doing as a marketing team. Um, but my favorite piece is the people piece, working with people, um, mentoring them, helping them grow in their roles and getting them ready for their next steps too. So, so that's your favorite piece. I'm also curious, what's yeah. your least favorite piece of your day? If you had to pick one. Yeah. Um, my least favorite piece, I think dealing with difficult people because <laughs> you yeah. you always have them um, yeah. and just trying to navigate those situations and not getting too frustrated um, because you're always going to work with different personalities. And then um, I still like building like tedious things like building reports and stuff. I love looking at data, but the actual time of like building them and making sure I'm looking at the right things. Um, that's not always the most fun thing, but if someone built it for me, I'm happy to look at it and analyze the data. Um, just more of those, those tedious little things. Um, but I love most of my job. The other thing that we do, I've, I'm an event planner at heart. So we've got our user conference um, that we're actually going to do in person in the fall. We haven't had it for two years because of COVID. So we're trying to work through right now. Um, how do we make it COVID safe? How do we make, a, how do we have a virtual component and an in-person component? And that's been really fun lately, just trying to work through and find the best experience possible. Yeah, Very just cool. kind of uh, expanding off of that a little bit. Um, how have the events, like the virtual events, like obviously they've changed, but how, like how mm -hmm. effective are they? It depends on what type you're doing. So Webinars have always been around. I think they're boring. <laughs> I usually <laughs> sign up for them and don't go to them, um, but they can be re really good lead drivers for companies. Um, we focus more on experiential events. So we do a lot of like wine tastings or baking class or cooking class where we've got really targeted people that we're bringing in that are already in conversation with Lessonly, but haven't quite crossed the finish line to signing their deal. And a lot of times this is their experience with our culture. And so in the past, before COVID, we were actually going to cities, flying to LA, San Francisco, New York, and setting up really cool dinners and experiences in person. But now we can reach anybody across the globe with these events. So they've actually, I think, been better performers for us than our in-person ones pre-COVID. Oh, wow. It's been interesting. Yeah. That's, that's not what I've heard as much from yeah. other people. So I'm yeah. glad. I'm happy for you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah. kind of wrapping it up here, um, if you could just kind of describe your mindset from your early 20s, um, how has that evolved to where you at now? Is it still there? Um, is it comp completely different or is it not there at all? So um, if you could just kind of describe that, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my early 20s, I was really driven um, and really wanted to get to where I am today. And I'm really proud of being able to, to continue that. I think um, when I was at Exact Target in Salesforce, I was like so hungry and ready to learn and always ready to, to get to the next step. And um, I knew that I wanted to lead a marketing team someday. And so I was always looking for those opportunities as to how I could do that, how I could increase that. Um, my mindset shifted a little bit when I took my detour and went to Indiana Sports Court because I was super focused at that time on wanting to start a family. Um, and 
I, at the time, Indiana Sports Corp was one of those experiences where I had a bad coach and a difficult team. Um, And so it was hard for me in that moment to see that it was a good thing that I went there. Um, But that led me to Lesson Lee pretty soon afterwards. And then I got that hunger back and that's where I am today. Um, I think one thing that I learned in that process is don't plan your job around like your, your personal wishes at that time. So um, we wanted to start a family. It didn't end up happening for a few years until I was actually at Lesson Lee. So it, it wasn't really, I shouldn't have changed jobs when I did, but looking back, I'm glad that I did because of all the things that I learned. And I think that um, every experience has led me to where I am today. So um, to answer your question, I think I do still have that same mindset I did in my twenties, just with a little bit, a little bit more mature and more um, insight into like what's realistic um, and what's achievable and what to look for next. So um, when I started, I wanted to get to where I am today. Now I'm 31 and I'm like, oh, well, we're, I, I got here. Now what do I do for the next 20 years of my career? Um, and so that's that's kind of what I'm working on next is what's this next phase of my career and what does that look like? No, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you have do you have just briefly just an idea of what you want to continue to do? Yeah, um, I'm a little bit more focused on my family now. So I've got 21 month old twins. Oh, and thank you. And another one on the way. So we are we are like full in family mode right now. Um, and I want to make sure that I spend enough time with them, at least until they get into school. And then like really, I think once they get into school, accelerate my career again. So I'm kind of in a pause um, but not in a deceleration. Yep. So yeah. lesson Lee, lesson is a really great place. I've been able to find somewhere where I can be the working mom that I want to be, um, and have the time with my family. And so I'm going to stay here until, until I'm ready to either accelerate or maybe even decelerate a little bit. Um, but I think it's just really important to find, to, to be okay with, I don't want to say stalling because there's still a lot of growth opportunity at lesson Lee but I'm okay with like staying and not feeling like I have to diversify what I'm doing um, for the next few years, because my focus is now on my family for a little bit. And then I can refocus on my career later down the road. That's awesome. And I think, I think that's really cool for all the, the women out there too, that it's, it is possible. And it's, it, cause I know that that is, that's a discouraging factor for a lot of people too. Um, yeah, and- yeah, it is. It And even for me, like I've had those conversations over the last couple of years of, do I want to stay home with my kids? I feel like I'm missing out, but truly I love working and I love being with my kids in the same fashion. And I know that if I only stayed home, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be as fulfilled. So it, it is possible. And, and whatever you choose is, is the right thing for you. I think is the most important thing. Nobody's journey is going to be the same. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, Katie, that's such an admirable thing. Seriously, I I loved hearing that, and also just throughout this whole podcast. So, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and and for listeners, um, we also would like to just kind of let them connect with you a little bit. So, how how what are some of the ways that they can connect with you, Katie? Yeah, yeah. Best way is on LinkedIn. Um, Katie Brunette, Brunette like the hair color. A lot of people get that wrong, um, but that'd probably be the best way. So, feel free to. Um, send me a note and um, I love meeting new people. So happy to grab coffee with anybody too. Awesome. 
Well, uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.